your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Thanks for making the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast your first listen of the day. As always, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, Odyssey, and YouTube. We're available every day, wherever you want us. On tonight's podcast, I wanted to close out some thoughts on Winnipeg's first game and, and maybe some thoughts about what could be uh, points of concern, some things that I was happy with, and maybe some notes of improvement for the future, especially as the next game will be taking place this coming Saturday against the San Jose Sharks, so obviously the Jets need to be on their best behavior. And after their first game against Anaheim didn't exactly go according to plan, you know, the Jets might be a little bit nervous and certainly Uh, They'll need to be a lot better than they were against the Ducks because the Sharks are actually a legit okay team, even for a bad team. I think their goaltending and stuff could be an issue for Winnipeg, and certainly that team has uh, notably more talent to work with than the Ducks do. If you're wondering whether or not Winnipeg was actually able to kind of get uh, any sort of comeback going off of the Kyle Connor goal, unfortunately the third period didn't really change a lot for the Jets. Winnipeg still struggled to get to the slot, and even when they finally did, and they actually created some really good scoring chances and shots, unfortunately John Gibson was all the wiser to them and ended up shutting down most of Winnipeg's best chances. Even, you know, uh, some of the great scoring opportunities, like the one that Cop had, they still got saved. So, overall, just a, a difficult first game for the Jets, and I think Winnipeg probably felt like it deserved a little bit better, and I'm of two minds when it comes to this. On the one hand, yes, I think the Jets probably were a little bit unfortunate in certain areas. Um, I think the Jets certainly could have been tied, maybe, you know, heading into the third period. I I wouldn't say that the Jets were, like, the dominant team. In general, it felt like um, the Ducks were really cutting apart Winnipeg's slot, and the Jets, for their part, really struggled to get to the middle of the ice. That's one thing that I I was a little bit surprised by. Uh, Winnipeg definitely played with a lot more urgency and pace, and certainly rapid counters and stuff, but when it came to actually setting up inside the offensive zone and hitting that slot area, the Jets just didn't really have that going. That bit for me was kind of surprising. I thought with the overhaul and talent for the Jets, they'd actually be able to dice that area up, especially against a very weak Ducks defense. Anaheim just wasn't all that great. Even though they certainly dominated in high-danger chances, there were stretches of the game where the Ducks basically got pinned inside their own defensive zone, and the only reason that they didn't get scored on was more because Winnipeg was just really struggling and Gibson was excellent. I don't think that there's a ton to read into this first game in terms of, like, stuff that deeply, deeply concerns me, Uh, but there are a couple of problem areas, and the first one that comes to mind is the special teams. This, for me, is kind of the the main primary issue with the Jets right now, is that the power play was pretty woeful. That might be a personnel thing, might change once Shifley gets back, but that first and second unit really didn't create a lot, and, uh, you know, the, the, the PK, unfortunately, it got destroyed. I mean, there was no other way to say it. The penalty kill was abhorrent, and I felt like the Jets really should be expecting better from that unit, so... 
Um, very disappointing to see. I thought the PK was not aggressive enough, and they gave too much space to allow screenshots, deflections, and all the sort of stuff that the Jets are really bad at dealing with. The power play not connecting on multiple attempts. I mean, there were like four or five power plays for the Jets. That's a bit of a backbreaker. I think the Jets needed to do a lot more with this and just really struggled. Some of the power play formations and setups didn't really make sense to me. Wheeler was taking one-timers on the line A circle. Uh, I think I saw 2D on one power play at some point, maybe just because it was closer to the end and they were hoping for the next even strength shift to just leave the D out there, but generally speaking, I just really wasn't feeling any of the PP units. The Ehlers unit, I thought, had a couple of decent looks, but it's not like any of them were all that effective. It sort of felt like the team was really struggling to set up long-term uh, offensive zone possession, and when they did, there were some okay shooting attempts and some decent passes, but all of that stuff kind of getting fed through guys like Wheeler didn't really make sense to me. Wheeler was already struggling last night, and it didn't help that he was then asked to try in one-time stuff, which he's not really much of a shooter. A lot of what Wheeler's game has kind of come down to is his ability to pass in space. If he gets pressured or if he has to shoot, it doesn't usually end in anything particularly productive. So that, I think, has to change. That'll probably be changed once uh, Shifley is back in the next game. But I don't know why they would do that to begin with, even with the roster as it is. I felt like having Wheeler there didn't make any sense. They could have used, like, Cole Perfetti or something, right? It just doesn't really make any sense to have Wheeler there when there were other shooting options or even passing options that would have made more sense. Aside from that, I mean, the special teams, I know that they were the main story, but, um, you know, Winnipeg's not attacking the slot as much, which is a problem. I think as the Jets kind of get more consistent and understand, you know, when to activate and how to activate, I think that aggression will start to play into them getting into those more dangerous areas. It's going to take some time for them to sort of gel, and I think this team has traditionally been very conservative. So now that they're being asked to be aggressive and stuff, I think it's going to be a bit of a learning curve for Winnipeg. I know that these Jets did play very aggressively a couple of years ago, but obviously the past few seasons, it's been pretty uh, pretty laid back and pretty defensively oriented, and not in the way that you would hope. Very park the bus, drop deep, but you know the Jets don't really defend that well, so that whole strategy kind of went kaput as soon as it went into action, and that means that Winnipeg kind of has to break these habits and get out of that mindset. If they're able to start channeling their aggression in the right ways and looking for those good scoring opportunities where they can cut apart slot areas and get behind defenders, I think the Jets are going to be fine. But there are still some other problem areas that I thought should be addressed. One of them I want to talk about in just a little bit. It kind of centers around how the defense is currently being used. I, I think overall the defending for the Jets was by and large better in certain categories, but there were also some instances where... Winnipeg's overall aggression without as much of a consistent cohesion in, in execution got the defense into some trouble, and I'll kind of talk through some of those elements in just a moment. But before we go any further, I thought you should hear about why BetOnline.ag should be the only place you do your online betting. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on for another football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Into another sport? No problem. BetOnline has your back with European football, soccer, NASCAR, MLS, MLB, NBA, every kind of sport imaginable is at your fingertips. Go to BetOnline.ag on your laptop or mobile device and sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. 
From all your favorite sports right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the safest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. So start your winning path today. Sign up for a free account at BetOnline.ag and don't forget promo code LOCKEDON at registration. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hello friends and welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. Thanks for making the Locked on Jets show your first listen of the day every day. Being as it is the uh, the first night after a Jets game, the regular season opener, I was kind of wanting to spend the time analyzing some stuff that I thought deserved to be called out because, you know, the Jets had a bit of a rough performance, but it's not like there weren't highlights or things to take away from it. Maybe some notes of improvement, maybe some things that actually weren't too bad. You know, I talked about the Jets' special teams definitely being pretty wretched, though. That was one thing that was a serious issue. You might be curious about how the new-look defense handled things, though. In, in general, I, I didn't think the defense was terrible. Uh, there were some instances very specifically where I felt like the Jets' D were activating and getting aggressive and dropping below the face-off circles, but I felt like inside the offensive zone, if you're not really supporting your wingers or there's no one there to support, then I don't know why one of the D would kind of peel off and drop low. I think I saw like Brendan Dillon do it a couple of times, um, a number of other players did it, Pionk did it, and I, I get being aggressive and dropping below and getting below the goal line to start creating opportunities, but usually you have that happen if you've got forwards already on the forecheck looking to win the puck back or create space and options. This is something where I feel like a Vili Heinola really excels at it. Right now, the Jets don't have as many players who can kind of do this stuff. Nate Schmidt, I think, is a pretty good example of somebody who's who's more than capable. And at times, I thought Schmidt had a couple of decent chances inside the offensive zone, pulling some of these moves off and creating space and shooting and passing lanes. But, you know, overall, the, the Jets D were maybe a little bit out of sync. I think it was especially noticeable when the Jets would get countered against by Anaheim and uh, the D had already been caught chasing further up the zone. And suddenly here comes Anaheim on a counter with like an odd man situation where, you know, Hellebuck kind of got caught out a bit. I think Helly was already struggling and, and having issues tracking the puck and making the usual big bear hug kind of saves that we're used to from him. He can usually swallow the puck pretty easily, but last night it just didn't come so uh, come so cleanly. So I think a lot of that is stuff that's going to have to be worked on. And I think the timing and, and how the Jets activate their D is especially critical. Once Winnipeg's defenders find the best balance between aggression and knowing when to drop back and be a more complementary piece rather than a direct support option, I think the Jets are going to be a lot better at even strength. And it's not like they were bad yesterday. In general, they had long stretches of controlling the play and really putting the ducks down, but it came on those critical errors and mistakes in defense where all of a sudden there was a counter, an odd man situation, and Anaheim capitalized on really sloppy defending. You know, and then Hellebuck struggling to kind of made it, you know, all the worse in the situation. One thing that was also a little bit disappointing was just how bad Logan Stanley was. I know that Stanley kind of struggled in preseason a bit. I felt like he was making a lot of bad turnovers. He was passing into like double and triple coverage. And I felt like in general, he just wasn't really the big physical presence in the corners or doing enough to block out some of these shooting and passing lanes like a lot of people think he can. So um, I just wasn't super impressed with his performance. He's kind of bad enough to where I wouldn't be shocked if like Bolu draws back in. And honestly, Bolu might be an improvement in certain areas, which is, um, yeah, not a good sign, right? So the Jets defense on the third pairing, they might have to figure something out. Dylan DeMello has done his best to try and keep that pairing afloat, 
but if he has to bear all of the load and Stanley continues to struggle, it's not going to be a fun time for anyone. For as much as I may sound negative though, I, I still think the defense was mostly fine. It wasn't as tire fire as it was last year, which is a big improvement. I thought Dylan, he was a little bit goony at times, but generally played his part well of just kind of fencing guys off, being very physical in the corners, winning turnover battles, and uh, trying to make zone exits. I wasn't looking for him to be like this this game-breaking two-way defender with amazing offensive acumen, but he seemed to do his job fine. I think he'll be a steadying presence, certainly somebody that the Jets are going to want to be a more physical enforcer. As long as he can kind of avoid brain farts, I think his defensive positioning and understanding of how to seal off space tends to be very good. It's part of what makes his game so rugged and very difficult to get by, so I think he'll be a good fit for this team. The one thing I do kind of wonder with him is he takes a lot of liberties physically with guys, and I kind of worry that maybe some of these are going to get the Jets into some penalty issues. Winnipeg took a, a couple of minors yesterday that were a little bit silly. Some of them I think Anaheim kind of sold and drew, but you know the Jets still need to be smart, especially if your power play is not doing well. You just know that the officials will be looking for even up calls, and Winnipeg did kind of fall victim at times to that. So some considerations for the defense. I think it's going to be fine long term, but again, in the first couple of games, I think it's going to be a little bit of a complicated process. The Jets are going to have to find that right balance of, you know, knowing how and when to activate their D and when they should be supporting the forwards. And the forwards are going to have to do a little bit more too. Um, I noticed that Kyle Connor yesterday was actually backchecking and actually stripped the puck a couple of times to create turnovers, which is something that Kyle literally never does. Uh, I thought that was a nice little growth element to his game, not something that I expect to see a lot of. His defensive acumen is still pretty poor, but at least he's doing some defensive work in the neutral zone and creating counters off of that. So if he can continue that trend, I would very much enjoy it. I think it would make his game a lot more well-rounded and maybe he'll have a better overall season. Past couple of years, I think we all know his profile, but if his two-way game improves, maybe the Jets are going to have an easier time of it with that first line. I think the first line as constructed is still kind of a disaster, but there's not much that the Jets are going to do about it. I feel like Maurice still trusts Wheeler with like 20 minutes a night, which, you know, might not be the world's best plan, but I'm not an NHL coach. What do I know? That kind of concludes most of my thoughts about the Jets. I, I thought it wasn't like as bad as the game seemed, but uh, some some work and, and room for improvement is definitely needed. So we'll see how the Jets fare this weekend. I'm hoping for a better result, certainly a more improved performance. A lot of the guys could definitely use that confidence boost heading into the year. And uh, certainly as fans, we would love to see a nice little victory. For now, though, it is time to take a look at some of the league transactions from around the NHL. Some stuff has been going on, some of it surprising, some of it kind of a... Uh, questionable in certain ways, and we'll take a look at these surprise dealings in just a moment. But first, I thought you should hear a little bit about why rockauto.com should be your first destination for all your auto part needs. Before we go any further, I thought you should hear about why rockauto.com is the best place to buy your auto parts. There are literally thousands and thousands of vehicles out there, and it's really hard for auto parts stores to keep up stocking parts, accoutrements, and everything in between. You might stand in line for 15, 20, maybe even 30 minutes waiting for your chance to buy the part that you need, and you find out they don't even have it in stock. If you want to save time and money, then just go to rockauto.com instead. They're a family-run business with over 20 years of experience in the automotive industry. Their easy-to-use intuitive website allows you to sort by make, year, and model of your vehicle, and then set a price range filter so you always get the parts that you need at the prices you want. Whether you need a new engine control module or a floor mat replacement, rockauto.com is sure to have what you need in stock. And best of all, you can save anywhere from 20, 30, even 50% off retail brick-and-mortar in-store pricing. So why shop anywhere else? 
Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. Hello friends and welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are now taking a look at some transactions from around the NHL. There have been some uh, roster moves and some big contract extensions, some of which are a little more questionable than others. Let's start off with the uh, the surprise ones. The first is Matthias Ekholm resigning for four years at $25 million with the Nashville Predators. This deal, I, I think, would have been fine if Ekholm was on an actual contender. As it is, though, he's with a team that, you know, I think the Preds have a pretty decent shot at making the postseason, but being more than that, I don't know. This is a team that for me, is kind of like in that weird limbo state between needing to maybe rebuild and also still contend. And I I think that there is longer term a big question with what exactly the direction of the team is. It's not a bad team by any stretch of the imagination, but it's also not really good enough to be considered like a true cup contender. So at some point, the Preds are going to have to pick a direction and stick with it. And it seems like right now they're trying to still be competitive, which I'm not sure I would have agreed with. I like Ekholm a lot, but at his age and certainly at the cap hit with the, the term and where Nashville is right now, I just don't really see this as a match. But You know, the Preds seem to keep things as they are and want them to continue on, so I guess that counts for something, but, you know, in my mind, I feel like the Preds probably need to start thinking about the longer-term picture and whether or not this team is really capable of being more than just a playoff appearance. That deal definitely pales in comparison to the one handed to Brady Tuchuk, though, who has signed for seven years at $57.5 million, which, that cap pit, folks, is going to be very high. He's making a little over 8 mil a season, which, considering there was no previous offer to him and it sounded like negotiations had stalled, I have no idea why this deal was even handed out. Uh, I, I like Brady. I think he has a certain effectiveness to his game, certainly in getting to the slot and creating offense around there by just sort of buzzing the net and, and getting chances from shoveling the puck in that area. But then you kind of find out that that's sort of a limitation with his game. He doesn't really do a lot more than that, and he certainly doesn't finish. So, If you're paying a guy $8 million to be a play driver who doesn't really drive it in the right way, I don't know if the Chuck really makes a lot of sense at that cap hit. If it was like $5.5 million or something, I would have understood it. But $8 million is kind of like you're out of your mind. I know that keeping a franchise star is a big deal for a team like the Sens, but I don't think Tuchuk is the kind of guy I'd be looking to do that long term with. And for seven years, man, at eight mil. I guess if any team can afford a major cap hit, it's the Sens. I just don't really feel like it's a very productive use of that space, and certainly with where Tuchuk is, developmentally speaking, I don't know that this contract is really all that good. It looks like a really big miss to me, and uh, certainly a lot more expensive than it should be, but maybe the Suns luck out and he finally finds Twine. The last surprise deal that kind of came out very late last night was Ryan Pollock signing for eight years at what you know is reported to be around $50 million or a little bit less than that, which is a very reasonable cap hit. You're basically looking at a guy who's getting, what, like five mil a season, maybe a little bit less than that. So if you're looking for a great number two D to anchor your top pairing alongside Adam Pellick, I think that this is a pretty okay deal. I think Pelik is better than Pulak, which is a little bit confusing to say because their names are very phonetically similar, but Pelik for me takes the cake in a couple of key categories like transition, certainly defensive prowess, offense. He just seemingly does it all. Um, and Pulak maybe has offensive potential with that big slap shot of his, and certainly he's a very gifted skater, but in terms of his actual impact on the ice, 
I don't know that he's that kind of player. I think he's more of like a, a defensive rock and certainly somebody who can shut down opponents in his own end. Getting him locked up at eight for like five and a half million per season seems like a pretty okay cap hit. Even if it's a little bit more than that, I'm sure uh, Isles fans are going to be happy about it. And I'm sure Uncle Lou is probably pretty pleased too. This was a major contract that they were concerned about. They have now gotten it taken care of, and it didn't quite break the bank like they were thinking. It certainly looks a lot better than the Brady to Chuck deal, which I'm still trying to wrap my head around and I don't quite understand it. But, you know, I'm not a Suns fan. I root for the Jets, so maybe I'm just biased here. I'd be curious to know what you think on these deals and actually what you thought about the game yesterday with the Jets. Give me your feedback on the game or on the Tuchuk signing, maybe even some of the other contracts. Send me your thoughts and maybe we'll talk about it on our next podcast. For tonight, though, that is going to do it. We appreciate you making the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast your first listen every day. Now it's time to make your second listen Locked on Fantasy Hockey. Host Scott Cullen leans on his decades of fantasy hockey insight and experience every day to help you be the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available on all your favorite platforms. As always, thank you so much for listening. Have a great night and go Jets go.